Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Great America Podcast with Lou Dobbs, always in the fight for truth, justice, and yes, our American way of life. And now, here he is, the Peabody Award-winning voice of truth, the great Lou Dobbs. Hello, everybody, and great to have you with us on another beautiful day in America. It's a beautiful day, but admittedly, it's not a perfect day. And it won't be until number 45 and number 47 are returned to office. President Biden's approval numbers are at the low of his presidency. Biden has a horrific approval rating in the latest Quinnipiac poll. Only 33% of Americans now approve of the job he's doing, a third. And among independents, Biden's approval is even lower. Only 25% approve. All Mr. Biden seems to want to do is destroy our federalist system of government, to nationalize our electoral system and public schools, and control it all from Washington possess dictatorial powers of fiat and decree over American citizens, as he has with his mandates on the Wuhan virus. He wants to bankrupt the federal government, open wide our borders to any and all forever. And fortunately for America, we have a lion in the U.S. Senate defending our Constitution, our freedoms, and bringing knowledge and rationality to every issue that the Senate addresses. I'm referring to Senator Rand Paul, of course who continues to hold the not-so-good Dr. Anthony Fauci accountable for his misstatements, his untruths, for his deceptions, and often peculiar perspectives. Senator Rand Paul is fearless in his defense of the American way, and he is the essential senator. He joins us today here on The Great America Show. Senator, great to have you with us. Thanks, Lou. Thanks for having me. The the contest, the confrontation, uh, your grilling of Dr. Fauci, of course, making headlines across the country, perhaps the world. Uh, he is a difficult man to from whom to elicit a straightforward answer, uh, even to a sitting U.S. senator. Uh, your reaction on your uh, your exchange with Dr. Fauci. You know, he's an expert at the games of Washington. He's the consummate politician, but you might expect more from a so-called scientist. We're paying him over $400,000 a year. And I ask him, I think an important question, is it an abuse of your office to spend time at work, spend salary and your office expenses to try to take down your enemies, to have an enemies list? It doesn't really conjure up images of a uh, dispassionate scientist. So what he did, and Francis Collins, is they conspired together to bring down three prominent epidemiologists who went to Stanford or teach at Stanford, Oxford, and Harvard. It it seems really kind of unseemly, but this is what they chose to do. We're going to take them down. We're going to brand them as fringe epidemiologists. And so I asked him that question, and his response was basically to say, how dare you? 
you know, he, he basically <laughs> said, I am science. And those who question me are questioning science. It got even worse. He then he then said, if you questioned him, that you were fomenting violence against him. And I really object to that as someone who has been has suffered at the hands of people shooting at me, attacking me, sending white powder to my wife and I in the mail. I object to him sort of trying to blame his problems on me or the problems of some demented person on me. But uh, we rarely we didn't ever get to the answer to the question. He never would answer the question. Uh, he wouldn't answer the question. He wouldn't answer a number of those questions and all of them important to the American people. Right now, without uh, Senator Paul in the U.S. Senate, folks, we wouldn't be uh, even hearing the questions, let alone uh, getting answers. And Senator Paul has elicited answers. And amongst those answers uh, is the, the role of the Wuhan uh, laboratory uh, that was ground zero for, uh, for the epidemic. But yet here we are two years later, and we still do not have from our intelligence uh, services or from our public health officials who, uh, in part, uh, actually funded part of the operations in that Wuhan lab, we don't have answers to very basic questions, the origin of the COVID-19 virus. But we do know some things, and some of this came up in the hearing, and Dr. Marshall brought up some important points, but there's an incredibly important point that has been lost and sloughed over by the mainstream media. When this virus first came out, all of Dr. Fauci's friends wrote him emails, virtually all of them, prominent virologists, immunologists, geneticists, right. they all wrote him notes emails within hours after the discovery of this saying, oh my God, saying, oh my goodness, the RNA sequence of the genome of this virus looks like something called a furin cleavage site. What does that mean? It's a special sequence of DNA that codes for the ability to infect human cells easily. Why is this important? It's never been found in nature before. Coronaviruses right. typically come from bats but this special site had never been found. Why were they alarmed? Because two years before, and Dr. Fauci knows this and covered this up, he was informed that the Chinese government wanted money to study how to put this furin cleavage site that we now know is in COVID, how to stick that in viruses to combine and make new viruses. So we know the Chinese wanted to do this, and the only implication that is probably to come from this is that's probably what they did, but this was covered up. And many of Dr. Fauci's associates were saying, look, this doesn't look like it came from nature. It looks like it came from a lab. This is what they asked to do in 2018. Now it looks like they've done it. And how did Dr. Fauci respond and Dr. Collins to cover it up? They said there will be an attack on science. There will be distrust of China. There will be distrust of the institutions of government. So they decided to cover it up. This is one of the biggest cover-ups ever to happen in our country. And it happened. And the facts are there. And yet, what do we get from Fauci now? He's hitting back with personal attacks and not answering the questions. And, uh, and again, thank you for the questions you're asking and the rationality that you were bringing uh, to, uh, to the issue uh, in Washington, D.C., uh, Senator Paul, I, I want to support part of what you said with my own experience as a journalist and uh, an opinion journalist, unquestionably, but as a journalist in the early days of 2020, I'm talking about January, late January, February and March, I was talking with a number of the most prominent uh, 
uh, public health doctors and virologists and, uh, and to a person, not one acknowledged that he uh, had been, and they were all male, had been uh, in China, that they were in any way uh, working with the Chinese, uh, either representing U.S. public health uh, services or uh, the NIH. The, the fact is, I discovered three of them, uh, and I won't go into their names here right now. Three of them knew about the coronavirus uh, in advance of any public knowledge of it. Uh, secondly, they did not disclose that they had been working with the Chinese in the immediate preceding year. Uh, and the closeness of the relationship between our, our virologist, uh, immunologist, uh, and the Chinese is stunning, uh, still stunning to me. And it's not really well understood. And the reason this is important, it isn't just about attaching blame. I think blame is important. This pandemic has killed over 5 million people. But it's not just about blame. It's about trying to prevent this from ever happening again. So the way I envision this, and I think it's incredibly important who wins elections, is that if we are to take over, if I'm to be the chairman of a committee, I will use the subpoena power to get to the bottom of this. I think the evidence exists. But it's not just of what happened, it's trying to prevent this from happening again. I think taxpayer dollars should not go to research that creates viruses that are not that don't exist in nature that are potentially lethal. And I don't think we should be doing that. In fact, I would go further than just domestic laws. I think we should convene and I will advocate for an international treaty of civilized nations to come forward and say, you know what, we lost 5 million last year. This disrupted economies worldwide. What if this were a, a virus that's creating a lab that had 15% mortality? This one, as bad as it was, was closer to 1% mortality. What if it were 15% or 50%? Right. My goodness, we shouldn't be funding this research. And what amazes me is there are scientists saying the same thing I'm saying, who are not partisan Republicans, who are not involved in political politics at all. Some of them have been professors for decades talking about the danger of this research. I think if we had an objective hearing that we could hear fully from scientists on both sides of this, and really I think people would be alarmed to know that not only did this probably come from a lab, there's a chance that this could happen again. Yes, I, and I think that we have to recognize that there's a very good chance because, again, communist China remains opaque uh, to the West. Uh, and no one should underestimate how committed they are to secrecy and never releasing anything uh, that is uh, that would enlarge uh, the public's knowledge about all that uh, transpired, because they have great liability and they have great culpability. Obviously, they are the origin of this uh, deadly disease that was unleashed on the world, and then uh, did not uh, the world did not receive a warning from the Chinese, but their people did. I, I want to turn to something else that you've raised, and that is your judgment that there's a 90% probability that COVID indeed did originate in that Wuhan lab and was engineered. Uh, I can recall talking to a number of uh, doctors in early 2020, uh, in which they said uh, it was clearly not engineered because it didn't kill everyone. And I thought to myself, well, wait a minute, that would be a very wise choice on the part of the Chinese if they're weaponizing the virus to not kill everyone, just simply uh, make them sick 
uh, and uh, and have it at least uh, depart from the usual appearance of a uh, a bioweapon. Your thoughts? Well, the thing is, is a virus can be engineered, but not intentional. So I think that they engineered it on purpose and they were trying to experiment with things that could kill humans. I don't believe really that they released it on purpose. I think it probably was an accidental release. I think people in their lab got sick and spread it to other people. Um, it could have been done on purpose. I think if you were going to do it on purpose, though, you'd probably be a little more careful about taking it to another country other than having it start in your country. So I think things point towards it being accidental, but it wasn't accidental that they were working on this research. And the thing is, it's pretty clear they have done this type of research and that they've been reckless. And really, this is not the first time things have leaked from labs. There's uh, five or six other times, I believe, that they've had leaks either in Beijing or in Wuhan that have started epidemics. So uh, I think there's ample evidence and precedent that this did and could have come from the lab. The strongest evidence that it's not from nature is this. They tested 80,000 animals in the wet markets. This is where they sell these exotic animals, right. uh, fresh meat in the markets in Wuhan. They tested 80,000 animals and none of them had COVID. They also tested the blood of 9,000 Chinese uh, folks, many of them from Wuhan from 2019. And they found that none of them had COVID. If this came gradually from animals, you would expect a few humans to have started popping up throughout 2019. And the fact that these blood samples from people who had the flu in 2019 in China were negative, this is an argument against this coming gradually from animals and an argument more that it came abruptly from a lab. And then the final sort of evidence that's very strong is that this virus has a special attaching site that is identical to the site the Chinese wanted us to fund in 2018. Now we didn't fund the research and so Fauci says, hey, we didn't fund it. But the fact that they were asking us to fund it means that they were involved in this research. They just wanted some more of our money. And so the fact that we didn't fund it doesn't mean they didn't do that research. And lo and behold, when we look at COVID, the virus that's causing the pandemic, it has that uh, furin cleavage site, this attachment site that is not found in nature. So, so much of the evidence points towards the lab that um, people who are saying that if you, if you believe it came from the lab, you're a conspiracy theorist, that's not science. Those are politicians trying to do a cover-up, and these were Fauci people. He was talking to them privately by email. They're telling him they think it came from the lab, and he's saying, oh, no, we have to do something. And so they immediately began this cover-up. I believe it's one of the most elaborate orchestrated cover-ups in the history of science. Senator, I know that you're uh, under a crushing schedule today and uh, we appreciate your time. I want to, uh, just the final question here. Uh, there are revelation that the Department of Justice has unveiled new domestic terror, a new domestic terror unit in the, uh, in the department uh, and the revelation that the United States Army will be conducting a two week, uh, what is called guerrilla war training exercise in North Carolina uh, to drill our special forces on how to overthrow, quote, an illegitimate government. Uh, that sounds like the most, uh, to me, illegal objective that we could uh, place on our military uh, and an absolute uh, piece of uh, uh, psyops uh, warfare on the part of the Department of Justice to create this uh, new domestic terror unit. I'd like to get your reaction. Well, it reminds me of my father, 2001, warning 
that when they say they're going after terrorists, they may use these laws against you. When he warned that the Patriot Act would be turned on its head and would be used against its own people, he worried about this. When they talked about having fusion centers, and they set these up around the country back in the early 2000s, they were for terrorists to see one, know one, report them. But they also listed as potential terrorists, people who had pro-life bumper stickers, Ron Paul bumper stickers, constitutionalist bumper stickers, patriot bumper stickers, that these were people that you should report to the authorities. It's incredibly dangerous. What happened to President Trump in his campaign, the anti-terrorism legislation, the foreign intelligence court that's supposed to go after foreigners, was used for the first time against a presidential candidate. Unfortunately, nobody on the left came leaping back to the civil liberties because they hated Trump so much. But this is a big deal, the worst abuse of civil liberties ever. And now they're talking about using it against parents. This should upset everyone. We need overall reform of the FBI. We need new blood, new rules. And we can't expect them to police themselves. There has to be legislation. I've offered the legislation that FISA, the Foreign Intelligence Court, should only deal with foreigners. If you're an American, you get to go to an American court with a lawyer, with That's notification, with the abil ability to appeal. In the secret courts, you don't get a lawyer. You often are not notified you're even charged of something. You're sometimes told if you're charged, you're not allowed to tell anybody or they'll put you in jail for telling someone that's not justice. Uh, if you live over in another country and you're an enemy, that's one thing. But in the United States, we should use the Constitution. And now there's something called the January 6th Committee, a uh, partisan uh, left-wing uh, inquiry, if you will. That's a gentle word for what they're doing. Uh, we are watching the abuse of civil rights uh, and, frankly, the Constitution almost daily in Washington, D.C. Senator, I thank you for being with us today. I wish you all the very best. Thank you so much, and keep up the great work, if you would. Thank you. Thank you. Senator Rand Paul, a great American. Coming up next on The Great America Show, the president of one of the country's preeminent government watchdog groups, Judicial Watch. Tom Fitton and Judicial Watch have sued to gain access to all of the CIA communications between the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff and the CIA, specifically targeting President Donald Trump. And we all know that President Biden's disastrous withdrawal from Afghanistan caused untold loss of life and global embarrassment for the president and the White House. But we also know that... Uh, Biden's decision to leave billions of dollars of weapons, vehicles, and aircraft in Afghanistan has not been tallied. All of those uh, pieces of equipment and weapons are in the hands now of the Taliban, of course. So why and just how much equipment did the U.S. military leave in Afghanistan? We still don't know, and the White House and Pentagon are covering up the total loss and waste. Judicial Watch is suing the State Department for their records about Afghanistan payments and the subsequent cover-up. Here now, Judicial Watch President Tom Fitton. Tom, great to have you with us. You're, you're really? suing for that information so that we actually have an understanding of the payments, the purpose, uh, and the total loss to the United States. Uh, where do we stand? Well, they're in cover-up mode. I mean, we exposed... Actually, they gave us the documents. And, you know, when someone gives you documents like the ones we obtained, it usually means because they're angry. And in this case, it was a special inspector general for, I think it was Afghan Reconstruction, who gave us documents about a month or so ago 
that showed that he objected to Biden's State Department demands that they take down reports related to the issues we're talking about. Just how much did we spend? What equipment was there? What sort of money were we spending? The sorts of reports that would allow us to understand just how devastating the surrender to the Taliban Biden what uh, Biden's decisions were. And on top of that, in those documents, it shows that they removed over 400 reports about our spending and activities in Afghanistan as a result of Biden administration's efforts. So you had this massive censorship of the uh, the catalog of monies spent and wasted in Afghanistan by the Biden administration. And on top of that, we want to know what sort of money they were given to the Taliban in the, after the surrender, what was going on? So we have two separate lawsuits against the State Department. So we already know there's a cover-up because the censorship's been unprecedented. And now there's a cover-up of the cover-up. And uh, you know, uh, Congress is completely AWOL on this. The media doesn't believe that anything that happens yesterday is news, uh, especially since they've got this kind of radical extremist left-wing agenda. And and oh boy, you know, do as, they! As, you know, and you know the organized left are enemies of history and memory because, you know, that means there's accountability for what they did in the past, and they don't want that. So uh, this is what we're able to do, and, and and it's essential that we're able to do, which is to go to court and get the accountability the American people desire for that deadly surrender. I mean, heck, there's still Americans stuck there, and, and no one uh, is even reporting on it. No one is talking about it, at least of all, of course, uh, President Biden and his uh, staff at the White House. Uh, it's, I, I don't know, uh, you know, compare, if you will, the lack of transparency uh, to, uh, to the last two or three administrations. This seems to me to be the worst. And I thought the Obama administration was pretty bad, but this is awful. Well, in some ways, the Trump administration wasn't good at all at the agency level. I mean, you and I have discussed many times about their failures to disclose information. Uh, and I mean, heck, you had the Trump administration's appointees fighting with Republicans in Congress about information on Obama corruption. They were hiding that. Exactly. Um, personally, though, and this is something the media will never admit, the Trump President Trump was personally the most transparent president in American history. Right. And that's why they hated him, because he talked about what he was thinking and what he was doing, what he was planning. And it sometimes politically didn't work out for him, but at least he was transparent. Well, Tom, now with the Biden administration, you got the worst. You know, you have a president who is addled and an administration that has uh, zero regard for transparency on these corruption issues. Well, as you know, I, I, I don't believe there's a, uh, anyone more supportive of President Trump than me. I, I, you know, I, but I still, uh, I, I begrudge the fact he was not transparent on two issues. One, uh, releasing all of the UFO files. Uh, he chose not to do that. Uh, and secondly, we still don't have the, uh, the paperwork and the documents uh, and the history the complete history of the JFK assassination. I was very hopeful that he would take care of uh, those two uh, historical uh, cover-ups, uh, but uh, I was disappointed in the end. And I'm only half kidding here. 
Yeah, I hear you on that. And, 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 you know, my view is that um, if you want something done, you got to do it yourself. And if you think it's in the public interest that documents be released, we pay the president to do that and to make right. those decisions. And uh, he should recognize that, um, and I'm sure he does generally recognize this now, you can't defer to even your own appointees on this because they're often hijacked by uh, the mandarins in the deep state. Oh, we can't release this. It would you know, cause national security issues or we have to protect our rights here. And it's all just politics. And um, you know, I hope there are lessons learned for the next for the next term of President Trump or any other president coming in. You know, the irony here is, Lou, it used to be liberals were in favor of transparency and some are still are. So to me, like government transparency ought to be a nonpartisan issue. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think that every American should be demanding complete, complete records for any historical uh, event like the assassination of JFK. How in the world can you rationalize denying the American people their right to know? Uh, and it's administration after administration. And I really think that we're having a, a, a bit of a, a renaissance, an awakening in this country, uh, because we know now uh, that uh, everything, almost everything that President Trump said about this, this president as candidate was true. Yeah, he is inept. He's incompetent. Uh, he is, I mean, his approval ratings now are at 33% for crying out loud. Independents uh, approve of this man by a mark by 25 percent these are historic lows by any any uh, judgment and it goes on and on and one of the reasons that we we so enthusiastically support judicial watch is all the work you do to to extract extricate uh knowledge from the the behemoth that is the federal government yeah you know and that's the reason i support judicial watch too and i say that half jokingly but you know Obviously, I'm the president of Judicial Watch. I love the work we do. But, you know, as a citizen, I'm like, oh, my gosh, thank God for Judicial Watch. Well, and, I, and it's absolutely. It, it, it's we're, and, and even better, thank God others are now stepping up. Right. Our friends, Project Veritas. Right. Parents at the local level using FOIA to uncover what their school boards are up to in terms of CRT. It's It's been, um, I, I tell you, I take such solace i i was at it i was at an event at a at a hotel the not too long ago and um just a regular employee you know gave me the thumbs up and and english was not his first language and he said judicial watch you know for you and i'm like my gosh you know if if regular folks now understand FOIA, that used to be a term of art here in washington dc I mean, we've come a long way in terms of educating the public about accountability, that yeah. you know, the politics and public policy fights, but reminding Americans they have a right to know about what their government is up to is makes it all worth it. I absolutely, uh, and uh, without your energy and enthusiasm to uh, reveal all of that information, uh, the country would be, and even uh, I, I think even more. Uh, uh, trouble than it already is. I, I want to talk to you as well about uh, the 
the judicial watch suit uh, to to get the FBI records over the uh, Garland uh, uh, Merrick Garland, uh, the Attorney General Merrick Garland's memo targeting parents, particularly at school board meetings. Where does that stand? Well, the FBI is in cover-up mode. I mean, you know, I joke the resting state of the deep state is secrecy. And, you know, to bring people up to date, it's now been confirmed that the Biden White House, the Secretary of Education, the Biden appointee, used a cutout, this National School Boards Association, to send a complaint to the Justice Department accusing Americans opposing CRT in the schools, parents exercising their God-given First Amendment rights, comparing them to domestic terrorists and trying to use the Patriot Act against them. Garland immediately issued a letter saying, oh, a statement, we're going to push this, ordered the FBI to get on board. And they began their 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 anti-terrorist activities against Americans who yeah. had the temerity to oppose President Biden's CRT agenda at the local, state, and national level. So and, let me see if I've got this right, Tom. Because this sounds so familiar, uh, instead of uh, the fake dossier being created by uh, the Hillary Clinton campaign, the DNC, uh, and uh, Chris Steele, uh, we have the Department of Education urging the creation of this statement about domestic terrorists from the school boards. And that becomes the basis for now a Justice Department investigation uh, and creation of a new unit, just as that dossier became the basis for a phony special counsel investigation of the president. Am I correct in seeing the analog there between the two? Right. And you could see how the germ germinated into uh, the craziness of expanding the investigations and the targeting to uh, millions of Americans, you know, it's designed to intimidate people. I mean, Garland's initial memo was just a month before the Virginia elections. And, you know, yep. the whole parent school board issue was a hot issue then. And, you know, what's interesting is I learned separately, Judicial Watch learned separately that Ray shortly thereafter was making a presentation. He and a colleague, I think uh, his number two, uh, went out and told uh, some folks that Justice Department didn't consult with us beforehand. We are not interested in suppressing the First Amendment. We're only going to investigate violence. Now, taking race, dishonesty, and disingenuousness aside, it's pretty clear he was distancing himself from Garland's operation. So that's why we're asking for the documents. We want to know what's going on. We want to know if the FBI is again being misused to target political enemies of the left Democrat establishment that's running this city. There seems to be, uh, we need the evidence that you can provide and create. Uh, I would love to see a congressional investigation, but that's not going to happen under the powers and control of the radical Dems. But Merrick (laughs) Garland, he turns out to be quite a venal partisan uh, whether it is targeting parents and, and going along with, or if he is not indeed the author of the Department of Education secretary uh, urging uh, the uh, the school board association uh, to basically write the letter they did, uh, he is, I, I mean, he is absolutely a partisan care, who's weaponized further an already politicized Justice Department, is he not? 
He sure is. And um, I mean, he had a reputation for being a somewhat sensible judge on the bench, but obviously uh, he's an activist. And, you know, as you're talking, Lou, it occurs to me, where are all those Justice Department figures resigning in protest over Garland's politicization of the Justice Department? Isn't that interesting? Yeah, definitely. No, those agencies are thoroughly corrupted. And as I've told you before, and I've told, you know, I've often observed, the Justice Department and the FBI, they have thousands of James Comey's. Thousands yeah. of James Comey's. That's a, that's a frightening thought. My good Lord. Uh, at least he's been uh, uh, quiet uh, for, for a period here. Uh, that in and of itself is some, some relief. But the Merrick Garland, going back to the announcement that they're creating a domestic terror unit, uh, as a result of all of this, uh, this psyops operation that they're obviously running uh, from the White House, but a psyops uh, campaign against the American people, a persistent and evolving threat, as it's called by the uh, folks after January 6th, they said, a persistent and evolving threat. What in the hell does that mean? It means nothing. How many domestic terrorists have been arrested? And what is their relationship? And what is the threat to the U.S. government? It's poppycock and it's pure nonsense. And they they think they can pull this off because the left wing national corporate owned media is right there with them. Well, you know, and, and legally, I don't even know what domestic terrorism means. I mean, terrorism typically is uh, individuals engaged in acts on behalf of a foreign government or entity. Right. Uh, and, you know, the domestic version of that, people, Americans engaged in violence for political purposes, you know, that's insurrection. Yep. So, right. you know, look, they, they're just using words or misusing terms for propaganda purposes to uh, tarnish their political opposition and more dangerously um, intimidate them. And, uh, you know, and, and, and worst of all, there are people who are going to be prosecuted and investigated and harassed who are otherwise innocent Americans exercising their, as I say, God-given First Amendment rights to petition their government and speak out on policy matters. Yeah, you know, we don't know uh, the involvement uh, of the role of the FBI and its role in the January 6th uh, demonstrations and the uh, the incitement to for some, what, five or 600 people to then enter the Capitol in some form of riot. Uh, as uh, Senator Marco Rubio said, you know, it's hard to take seriously. It was an insurrection when they're being led by a man with a Viking cap and a Speedo. Uh, but yeah. it, it is what it is. They did commit uh, crimes. But all, nearly all of the, the judgments that have been handed down in the federal court system so far of the, what is it, 600, 700 people, uh, you know, most, nearly all of them are misdemeanors. So they've been overcharged to begin with by these aggressive left-wing prosecutors that, uh, that inhabit the swamp in Washington, D.C., and they're at their mercy. Uh, your thoughts on that? Well, I think we're facing a rural law crisis because the Justice Department um, has little credibility with a good portion of the population, and therefore all prosecutions should be on, on our, our, our suspect. 
And, you know, it doesn't mean the Justice Department doesn't have the authority and the right and the duty to prosecute certain crimes. But when they politicize the process, it, 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 it undermines confidence in the fair administration of justice. And we had a court recently because one of the January 6th defendants were saying, look how they're treating us versus look how they treated the Portland rioters. Right. And the judge says, look, you know, you're still going to get or the Kenosha rioters or the Milwaukee. Right. I mean, the and, list goes on. Right. And the judge says, well, you know, nice try, but certainly uh, there are significant questions about even handed justice when one looks at the way the Portland rioters were treated versus the January 6th rioters. Right. And uh, and by the way, in the Northwest, uh, we just saw another uh, habitual a demonstrator who uh, was charged with striking a, uh, a a federal officer who just got probation, uh, no jail time at all, and uh, did everything but dismiss the charges. Uh, it it's goes on and on. We have we have left wing activists sitting as district court judges in much of this country right now. We have left wing activists serving as district attorneys, whether it's Portland, whether it is uh, Los Angeles, San Francisco, New York. Philadelphia, right. the list goes on. They're not prosecuting. And and police departments are unraveling around the country. People don't want to talk about it, but our police departments are in chaos. Uh, and this is a threat to their lives on the streets that they patrol uh, and keep safe for the for all of us. It's, it's a national crisis, and it's brought to you by the radical Democrat Party, the, the left-wing crazed uh, puppet president who and, and we don't know who's pulling biden's strings but we do know one thing he is a puppet in this uh in this farce and it's a deadly deadly uh piece of theater well and on top of that you have congress um the pelosi as i call it the pelosi rump january 6th committee uh, trying to uh, jail its political opposition by abusing the congressional processes to accuse people falsely of crimes, try to get them jailed. Uh, they're trying to misuse the process to ban and throw out members of Congress, trying to make sure that Trump can never run again. I mean, they talk about protecting democracy, and you've got this effort to destroy the House of Representatives by targeting members for the votes they made, and telling people that they can't be members anymore because of their votes and um, targeting democracy generally mm -hmm. by suggesting anyone who protests against policies Democrats favor, specifically uh, policies to undermine free and fair elections by eviscerating voter ID and making yeah. sure that ballot harvesting everywhere, you're the te you're terrorists. I mean, well, so when you talk about uh, domestic terrorism in the Democratic head, it's the terrorists aren't those who beat up a cop in the, in the Capitol. The terrorists are those who uh, went to a rally and did what Americans since time immemorial have been doing, which is uh, letting their views be known about a matter of public controversy. Yeah, it, it's, it, it's disgusting. And the January 6th committee, uh, to put a point on what you're saying, I, Schumer, Pelosi, Biden are leading an effort to create a, uh, a, a Marxist utopia in the United States, a Marxist 
fascist authoritarian utopia in the United States, which means they have to dismantle our electoral system, which they are trying to do. Two bills right now. A president in uh, Georgia goes down there to accuse everyone who disagrees with him of being racist. I mean, the man is absolutely out of control. And I don't care what his uh, puppet masters who are pulling his strings uh, say. This has to stop because he is dividing the country further instead of uniting it. And it gets uglier by the day what this man in the White House. I don't care whether people want to call him demented, of whether he is suffering from what uh, unknown or unnamed uh, cognitive disease. But the truth of the matter is he is working against the interest of the United States every day. And it's got it's got to end. Well, you know, it's interesting. I often don't quote Mitch McConnell, but, you know, he certainly had a good point when he said that uh, uh, Biden's unhinged speech was the best evidence uh, one would ever need for the value of a filibuster in the Senate. I think that I think that is an absolutely uh, terrific uh, series of comments he made. It was the strongest pushback of his uh, tenure uh, as speaker against a Democratic office holder. And it just happened to be the president of the United States. McConnell is having some sort of uh, uh, epiphany here as to who and what uh, is happening on Capitol Hill and in the Senate. At least he's uh, coming to terms with that. He has not yet acted, but uh, hopefully we will see that as well. And, and the January 6th committee, again, Tom, just to not to overly dwell on it. People should always remember that the January 6th committee will not release 14 thousand videos of all that transpired on Capitol Hill. They don't want the rest of the country to, to know it. They don't want people to know what really happened. Uh, they also want to seal all of the records uh, for the January 6th committee for 75 years. Can you begin to explain that one, Tom? I certainly can't. No. And, and you know, remember, the committee is a creature of Pelosi. So this is Pelosi. So there are questions about why Pelosi didn't secure the Capitol as, as Speaker of the House. That's not going to be under investigation. As you point out, the Pelosi House and the Congress generally refuses to release any of the 14,000 hours of videos. We sued in federal court for them. The Pelosi Congress came. Their lawyers said that not only can we not have them, they said they're not, quote, public records. And even if there were, the public interest doesn't um, necessitate their disclosure. So, I mean, they've got this. You know, we ought to report these that. privileges to protect Pelosi while trying to jail yeah. other Americans for asserting privileges in court uh, to protect the presidency. It's unbelievable. It is unbelievable. And we should probably be reporting that every day in some fashion. What they yeah. their comments about. Uh, it's not in the public interest for the public to know what their government is doing. It's outrageous, absolutely outrageous. It, it extends to the transparency around COVID, uh, the efforts to actually shut down debate and discussion of uh, what Mr. Science, Dr. Fauci said, uh, was the you know the the concern, and he suggested strongly that it was the sole concern of the CDC, the NIH. And of course, the good offices of Dr. Fauci. We're dealing with a set of elites uh, in this government, the deep state, uh, the permanent bureaucracy, call it what you wish. Uh, they are also 
very much out of control and out of touch with the American people. Uh, it is a very tough time uh, in this country because we have to watch a government that was once ours become theirs. And by theirs, I mean the globalist elites. Yeah, I mean, you have this, uh, I mean, you had President Biden today uh, just, um, or recently, just implore social media companies to essentially censor Americans on the internet. Yeah. Yeah. I, it, you know, the veil, and you know, to a degree, you know, if there's any veil left, it's all been lifted. You know, it, it, it's a collusion between big government, big tech, and we're the targets. We are the target increasingly of our own government. Uh, and by the way, the, your reaction uh, and the Judicial Watch reaction to the order to special forces to commence training in North Carolina uh, on how to overthrow, quote unquote, an illegitimate government, uh, undefined, unspecific. And by the way, since when should we be training our troops to overthrow any illegitimate uh, government anywhere? That isn't our job. Yeah, so is I, it directed I, at the United States government? And who will decide what is illegitimate? Yeah, I saw something about uh, insurrection, anti-insurrection training. Mm -hmm. Now we've got our military training to go to deploy force against Americans. Yep. So yep. imagine if Trump had done that. Well, imagine if the, if the American people just sat slack-jawed and didn't say anything about this, didn't react to this. There is a time, and I believe the time is now, to tell this government, this president, and the Democratic Party that they're psych ops campaigns against the American people stop now. And I mean now. The Republican Party leaders should be all over this right now and demanding hearings and ending this nonsense. Your thoughts? Well, um, I think the current Republican leadership, despite glimmers sometimes of energy, uh, are, are uh, if they are re- um, you know, if Republicans take either the House or the Senate, you know, I don't think the current leadership is going to give us anything other than what the past Republican leadership has, which is, you know, they're basically the same. And so, uh, you know, be prepared for disappointment and ineffectual and hapless oversight over uh, the Leviathan government that's threatening our republic. Well, it, it's, uh, you're, you know, I can't argue with you. I, I, I think, it, <laughs> you, you know, your statement, uh, I, I think, is proved every day by uh, whether it's Kevin McCarthy or Mitch McConnell or the uh, Ronna McDaniel, at the uh, RNC, the Republican National Committee. Uh, these are not leaders who have done much for the American people or for even their own party. I have to give credit. Mitch McConnell finally stood up and took on Joe Biden over that racist speech that he delivered. Uh, I have to give Kevin McCarthy credit. He finally stood up and said what I've been trying to tell the Republican Party and the, and, and the country for 20 years. The Chamber of Commerce is not working in the U.S. national interest. It's working in the interest of U.S. multinationals and the workers and the working men and women in this country and their families be damned. Finally, Kevin McCarthy told the, the Chamber of Commerce and business groups to basically go to hell. We don't want your money. We won't uh, be lobbying, uh, putting up with your lobbying either. 
uh, I was I was heartened by that. Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, when you look at um, uh, the corporate culture now in the United States, you can see the left uh, clearly controls most of the publicly traded corporations in the country in terms of their involvement in uh, uh, sensitive political topics. I mean, is it any surprise that these world corporations embrace vaccine mandates or initially embraced Black Lives Matter or attacked voter ID? Yeah. Uh, that's that's a major issue. And of course, you know, they're they're allied with Republican and conservative interests sometimes in government regulation and taxes. Uh, but um, not anymore. I, I, I really I a reckoning even on that, given their yeah. attacks on the American rule of law and fabric and our Republican I, form of government in other areas. I think we have uh, sufficient evidence to say just at least this about the Republican Party. It has begun to understand why President Donald Trump turned the party toward the forgotten American, toward the working man and woman, the American family, the American small businessman and woman, and said, uh, we're going to put America first. I think that is finally, finally uh, starting to be assimilated by the left, by the, by the establishment wing of the Republican Party. We'll see if it expands from here because this is only a beginning and a, an early beginning at that. Uh, your thoughts, you mentioned your skepticism about the Republican Party. Uh, are you confident about the integrity of the election first in 2022 before we even get to 2024? Well, I, you know, to the, concern, to the degree people were concerned about the um, wide use of mass mailings of, of ballots and right. ballot applications, I think there were 100 million of them sent out. A lot of that's going to take place again in 2022. Oh, boy. You know, and, and in my view, uh, although there are some more security measures in place in places, uh, put in place in places like Georgia and and there were good, some good restrictions in Texas on that dangerous way of voting in terms of security, uh, it's going to be a free-for-all largely. I mean, we uncovered that, for instance, the voting lists in, in New York City, key counties in California, Portland specifically, um, hadn't been cleaned, practically speaking, in four years. Yeah, I, I mean, they were removing 33 names total in all of those jurisdictions when tens of thousands of names should have been released. So I don't know how mailing ballots and voting lists that are dirty can yeah. in, uh, reassure anyone that elections are gonna be free and fair. And my view is uh, we should be making sure that people vote in person in all possible circumstances with a voter ID after having their citizenship verified. I mean, that, that's the kind of the standard and we're way far away from that right now. And as a result, Confidence in the elections will continue to be strained. It's, uh, I was afraid that that would be the outlook uh, that, you, that you would offer, Tom. Uh, I happen to share it. Uh, we have to have a Republican Party that does something. Uh, it's not doing anything under Ronald McDaniel. It's not doing, uh, obviously, uh, anything under the Republican leadership on Capitol Hill. And we have to have... Uh, communities, local governments, and state governments who are, I, I mean, absolutely energized and committed to taking control of their elections. Uh, because right now, 
Joe Biden has made it very clear with these two bills that are before the uh, the Congress that he means to federalize, to nationalize elections in this country and, and destroy uh, our way of life. And it's that simple. And he, for him to campaign in Georgia, uh, man, on, on this and to lay out clearly, you're a racist if you don't agree with him uh, and accept nothing less than uh, the will of the man who would be a uh, dictator, not president of the United States. It, it, it is the most uh, the strongest authoritarian impulse either party has ever exhibited, but even the Democratic Party and its left wing ideology has never approached the level of authoritarianism in its initiatives and in its conduct than the radical Dem party right now. Absolutely. Marxist impulses and authoritarian initiatives. Your thoughts as we wrap up here. Well, I think we're in a revolutionary moment um, uh, from the from the radical left, the extremist left, and uh, we have a cynically uh, we have you know, the most charitable interpretation is that we uh, the White House is controlled by cynics, and what started under Obama with a pen and a phone, it's metastasized metastasize under Biden, uh, because he, as I said, he's not really, in my view, controlling the government effectively because of his uh, cognitive and other challenges. And we're facing, um, you know, a government that says, catch me if you can, when it comes to breaking a law. And uh, that that's, uh, that's dangerous for our country, that's for sure. And, and thankfully, the law still allows us to catch them every once in a while. And Judicial Watch does it. Right. The states do it now and again. Uh, and, you know, for instance, we'll see in the Supreme Court this week whether the Supreme Court will do it with Biden's abusive and anti-constitutional. I don't even want to say unconstitutional, anti-constitutional Absolutely. vaccine mandates. Yeah, he wants to get rid of the filibuster. He, uh, the man uh, wants to have a new unit on domestic terrorism. And by the way, Think of the equivalency of a, uh, the definition of a domestic terrorist, according to the attorney general, equals a, uh, a, a parent speaking before the school board. Uh, this group wants, they basically want to weaponize the federal government against the, the American citizen, and they're doing it every day. Uh, and, and there was a time we had a countervailing influence. Our, our government, remember this expression, Tom? Our government we used to talk about checks and balances, three separate but equal branches of government. My God, there are no checks and balances on the FBI, the Department of Justice, the Department of Education. Uh, you name it, they are running willfully uh, according to the, uh, to, the, uh, to the orders of the cabal that influences the Biden administration. And there is no countervailing influence. Uh, it should be the courts. But there is no, let's be honest, these courts are filled with left-wing activists, and there's no countervailing force to counteract the excesses, the abuses of the Department of Justice and the FBI in particular. And that is frightening, to, it should be frightening, I think, to every citizen right now. Your thoughts as we conclude. Well, I've, I've always been of the opinion that when it comes to public policy and rule of law issues, the Justice Department is often the locus of evil. And it needs to be the focus of significant reform because they defend everything the other agencies do in court and 
you know, kind of sure. ratify it. And uh, that needs to be a target of reform. And I think they need to be uprooted. I, I don't know if they're redeemable in their court, uh, the way they're cur- uh, currently run and organized. That's for sure. Both the Justice Department and the FBI. Tom, it's been great talking with you as always here today. Thank you for being with us and uh, spending some time with us here on the Great America Show. Uh, You're a great American, uh, a great friend, and thank you so much. I look forward to our next conversation here on the Great America Show. Thank you all for being with us, and God bless you. See you next time. Join us again tomorrow for the Great America podcast. Stay in the fight. Truth, justice, and the American way will prevail against all enemies, against all odds.